welcome. To sort of off topic. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fine. We just tripped over each other's lines a little yeah. bit. We're very accustomed to this and we're professionals. Oh, yeah. So. And uh, we know what we're doing. And like fucking you're weird. <laughs> <laughs> this is the episode where one of us tells the other one something interesting that we learned. Mm-hmm. And Max also, all the other episodes of sort of off topic are the same. <laughs> this is that one episode of off topic where Max is going to tell me something that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so I researched a topic, and now I'm going to tell you all about it. Something that I think is interesting. I'm really excited. Do you want to just jump into it? I do want to jump into it. Uh, oh, here's something to tell you. I thought that I had beat COVID, <laughs> and my fever came back this today. <laughs> So we're doing this meet fully thieved up. <laughs> I'm Alibaba and the 40 Phoebes. <laughs> Feverlicious definitions. Fever alone. <laughs> the genie reality star. Anyways, light as a fever, stiff oh! as a board. <laughs> Me. Light as a fever and stiff as a board. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to get started. You ready? No, I want to think of like twelve more fever <laughs> But while we, I'll think about that and I'll do them at the end. Let's okay. get started. No, <laughs> you can't make fun of me. I'm sick. Also, I can't, you're hearing I this like in October, possibly November. Just so you know, I'm not getting fever again. Hopefully, oh my god, what if I'm getting COVID again in October? I hope not. We're in August right now. It is, is August twenty second. This right is now. still episode forty five era. Janie has COVID. Mm-hmm. Good God, I hope I don't get COVID again. <laughs> Maybe it'll be lit next time. Lit? Yeah. Maybe it'll be lit. Why would it be? Lit? COVID's not lit. Hey kids, COVID is not lit. Wear a mask. <laughs> All right, I don't know so what the future is going to be like. <laughs> so the topic I've brought to you today, uh-huh. my sweet Janifred. Okay, that's is. a new one. <laughs> <laughs> the story I brought you today is who put Bella in the witch elm? Oh, you know this one? I do, but I don't know all the details. Oh, I'm so excited! Yeah, this is a good one. Um, I was just telling Alex about this a couple days ago, and I was like, I should do a fucking episode on this shit. A whole deep dive. And now I am. Oh, I'm so pumped. Uh, okay. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Um, so... Alright. <laughs> so... Let your COVID be lit. No, don't Max do that. Higgins. It's bad. <laughs> so, our scene is set in Worcestershire, England. <laughs> oh my god. Mm-hmm. I love their sauce. <laughs> um, it's what they're known for. <laughs> it's not, um, though, right? Isn't it's Worcester sauce from Boston? No. Massachusetts? I don't know. That's not what the topic is. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) I'm not required to know anything beyond my topic today. I can't help you. So this is in uh, Worcestershire, England, in the town of Hagley. Okay. Now. Oh, Hagley and Witch Elm. What a cool start to this. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. (laughs) We begin our tale in Hagley Wood. Oh, yeah. It is the late afternoon, Mm -hmm. and four young boys are getting out of their houses, they're running around. The World War II has just begun. It is 1943. Oof. And, you know, so they're on rations and everything like that. And these boys, to get some energy out and to maybe supplement their family's rations, they go into the nearby Hagley Woods. 
And they go to look for bird's eggs that they can take from nests and they bring dogs so that they can maybe catch a rabbit, right? Okay. So it's April 18th, 1943. This massive woods, right, is alongside a road that leads towards Hagley. The woods are called Hagley Woods, um, (laughs) which are known for having tons of elm trees, right? Specifically, witch hazel and elm trees. There's so many good words in this. (laughs) It's Poopabella and the Witch Elm, Hagley Woods. There are, there's witch hazel. There are boys looking for a rabbit. I, this is, mm-hmm. I, I, I tell me that Bella's real name is Agatha and I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> you might lose your shit. Oh my God. <laughs> the, the woods are also known for having a lot of belladonna, otherwise known as deadly nightshade. Belladonna. <laughs> this isn't pertinent now, but I will come back to I'm it. I'm going to stop interrupting. It's just that <laughs> I needed witches. I needed it. <laughs> So it is April 18th, 1943. Four local boys, Robert Hart, Thomas Willits, Bob Farmer, and Fred Payne are in the woods and they are looking to poach rabbits and eggs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're not really supposed to be there, but boys, right? Yeah. And also um, they're on rations. Like, I'm yeah. sorry, they can do what they want. <laughs> Bob Farmer sees a massive gnarled witch elm tree and he sees what looks like a bird's nest up at the top. So he climbs mm-hmm. the tree and he looks down into the hollow of the tree and he sees something white and he thinks, I found an egg. And he reaches down in oh, and pulls no. and it is not an egg. It is a skull. <laughs> what, bird, what bird did he think laid that egg? Mm. <laughs> He's a like, big one. <laughs> Guys, I found an ostrich nest on the top of this elm tree in England. <laughs> Um, (laughs) he pulls out this skull and at first he thinks it's an animal skull but then he notices that it has more human-like teeth Um, they're a little bit crooked which is why he didn't recognize them at first and it also has a clump of brown hair on the skull attached to some very far along rotten flesh I just cannot see how he could think you can't make there's no other skull on earth that you would look at and be like this might be an Animal. It can't be human. The field of optometry has uh, advanced significantly in the past hundred years. I think he's mostly blind. He <laughs> has to be. And also can't feel things. Doesn't have, like, the ability to connect what he's feeling with what he's seeing. Most boys have that. <laughs> I'm just saying. He's like, oh, a giant egg. And then he picks it up and he's like... Huh, what kind of rabbit did this? Bob Farmer thinks that rabbits lay eggs. <laughs> is what I'm learning. So he pulls out this skull. He realizes that it still has human hair on it and it is a human skull. Okay. He immediately puts it back in the tree and Good. he screams to his friends and he's like, there's a human skull in there. And they're like, fuck, we're not supposed to be here. We have to leave. We can't tell anyone about this or we'll get in trouble. No, no. No, no. <laughs> So they say, they make a pact. They're like, we don't tell anyone what we found because we weren't supposed to be here in the first place. And then they all go home. Fortunately for history, Thomas Willits, who is the youngest, goes home and he tells his parents. Good job, Tommy. (laughs) Thomas Willits' parents call the police and the police go to investigate. Good. I'm glad they believed him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. What the police find in the investigation is this. This witch elm tree, long since dead, hollowed out. Mm-hmm. Right? Inside of the witch elm, there's not only the skull, but also most of a human skeleton, right? They remove the skeleton. It is uh, sort of curled in an upright fetal position. Okay. And what they find is 
This is the skeleton of a woman, about five feet tall, with brown hair, aged at about 35 between 30 and 35. The forensics that were available at the time indicate that this woman was wearing a mustard and dark blue striped woolen cardigan with a light blue belt fastened over it, and then a zippered cloth skirt with a peach taffeta underskirt. Oh, so she was like dressed nicely. Pretty nicely, but her clothes were very worn and all of the labels had been removed. She was also wearing a gold wedding ring, which on investigation turned out to be fake gold. And blue crepe-soled shoes. So, like, flats, basically. This is what they find on her body. This is what they figure she was wearing, right? The shoes are a women's size five and a half in the UK, which is different sizing from the US. So that's like a, probably like a nine in uh, US women's. Okay. Which is weird because Bella was only about five feet tall, right? That's a big foot. Five feet tall with a size nine foot is insane. Yeah. So there are, there is some speculation that they might not have been her shoes or that she might've been like wearing someone else's shoes and stuffing them because she couldn't afford new shoes. Okay. Um, Everyone's on rations. Remember this. Yeah. So there, it's just a weird thing that like those shoes might not have been hers because they're really big for someone of her size. And also that might not have been a actual wedding ring. Like it felt like costume jewelry almost. Yeah, so it was very cheap gold. It was, like, mostly a very small percentage of the metal was actually gold. So it would would be, like, a very cheap wedding ring. It could also be, like, you know, when you go to work and you, like, some people go to work, they put on, like, a fake wedding ring so they don't get hit on. It could be something like that. Yeah. Or it could be that she was in disguise as someone. Oh. Um, Oh, okay. Lots of possibilities. (laughs) There are lots of weird things about this case. They also find a piece of that peach taffeta underskirt has been stuffed into her mouth. Oh, no. This body, by the way, is fully a skeleton. Mm-hmm. They established that it has been in the tree for at least 18 months, maybe more. Um, so it's fully just a skeleton with like small amounts of flesh hanging on. Uh, sorry, this is gross. <laughs> but they are able to determine that there are no, you know, bones that were broken prior to or at the time of her death. Um, like, so her death probably wasn't violent in the sense of like an, a physical altercation or beating or anything like that. Okay. They conclude that she was probably killed by suffocation because of the taffeta oh. in her mouth and the lack of evidence on her skeleton of uh, injury or damage. When it's just a skeleton, you also can't tell certain things, like if she was strangled or something like yeah. that. There is a bone in the neck that can be broken when you're strangled with a significant amount of force, but that also wasn't technology that would be available in the 40s. Mm. Um, And because it had been 18 months, there had been a certain amount of animal predation, which actually, the other interesting thing is that she was missing a hand. Oh, She was just missing one of her hands and search a couple days or weeks later found small hand bones several feet away from the tree. So an animal definitely could have. That was my thought. But because of the way that she was sitting, there was no opening at the base of the tree and her hands were all the way at the bottom of the tree. So the, the animal would have had to go all the way down past the other parts of her skeleton specifically to get to the hand, which is weird. I also couldn't find specific records of which hand it was, but because she was wearing a wedding ring inside of the tree, it was probably the right hand. So somebody cut... Oh, oh, okay. Somebody gagged her, cut off her hand, shoved her in the tree. She bled out. They threw the hand over their shoulder and they walked away like they're walking away from an exploding car. Entirely possible. Okay. But all in all, this is kind of a weird crime scene. Yeah. (laughs) What do you mean, kind of? This is very intriguing. (laughs) The forensic investigator, James Webster, at the time of the murder, 
determined that she was put in the tree either before her death or shortly after while the body was still warm because she wouldn't have been able to fit into the tree once rigor mortis had set in. So it would have been a matter of maybe a couple of hours after she died, if that that's like on the outside, or she could have been put in there and then died inside of the tree. I hoped it wasn't that one. I also hope that. (laughs) That kind of indicates, because this is like in the middle of the woods, in the middle of of nowhere, in a tree that you wouldn't know was hollow unless you climbed to the top of it. Mm -hmm. There, that is some evidence to point to the fact that whoever put her there may have been a local because they may have been familiar enough with the area to know to go there and they wouldn't have been hunting around for hours and hours to find a place to hide her body yeah because at that point rigor mortis would have set in so not clear evidence but just a possible clue okay based on her skeleton they were able to determine that bella had given birth at least once in her life she had very irregular teeth Um, her front teeth were crooked and uh, there was evidence of a tooth being removed at some point in her life. Um, it had been removed and healed over. So they tried to use that for dental records, but nobody came forward. So it's possible that it was not done by a dentist. Like may- she may have been someone very low income without access to dentistry and just had someone pull it out for her. It does. Um, it's sounding more and more like she just didn't have a lot of money. Right? Yes. Uh, also, yeah. What is up with the cloth label, clothing labels being torn off? In some cases at the time, that could indicate that they were purchased secondhand. So a lot of the markets and stuff like that that would sell used clothing would take uh, out the tags and things like that. Okay. The only item of her clothing that they were able to identify a source of was her blue crepe-soled shoes, like her flats. Yeah, that um, weren't even hers. <laughs> possibly weren't even hers. Yeah. They tracked it back to the company that made the shoes, and they were able to track down every single pair of those shoes, Whoa. except for five of them, which were sold at an outdoor market at a town about 11 miles away. Jesus, uh, that's some intense police work. Yes, and also in that same market, there were a bunch of used clothing sellers. So it's possible that her entire outfit came from the same market mm-hmm. 11 miles away. Aww. Um which the thing is, um, I'll come back to that also, yeah. but it's it's possible that she just bought all of her clothes and her shoes all at the same time there, which is weird, right? Huh. This yeah. entire outfit was... If you needed an outfit, but also, why would... Who? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, that is weird. As I said, there was no evidence of injury or violence to the skeleton that they were able to find. So Except again, for her missing hand. Yes. Yeah. She's estimated to have died about 18 months earlier to when she was found, which would have put it about October 1941. Oh. Just for your timeline. Which is before she was found. World War II. Hmm? She would have died before World War II broke out then. Right? Or right uh, after. Or it may not. It may have been before the official start, but there were already German planes doing Blitzkrieg runs in the English countryside. So I'll come back to that later also. Okay. So again, it is World War II. There are lots of missing persons, people being reported missing all the time, mm-hmm. lots of people like sneaking across the borders and everything like that. So they went through all of the missing persons reports. They weren't able to find anyone that matched her description. They published a description of her in the newspaper and nobody came forward. Mm-hmm. So eventually the case kind of went cold. They did everything that they could. Yeah. But they no one was coming forward. Nobody knew anything about her. And even though this was a very unusual, like, body and circumstance to find, you know, a woman's body with all of this, like, weird stuff yeah. in a tree. They just weren't able to figure out who it was. Nobody recognized her from, you know, her clothes or anything like that. So the case wasn't solved. Huh. There was a police report from July of 1941, which would have been a couple months before the 
latest time that she could have been murdered. So it's very reasonable that this could be around the time that she was murdered. Okay. Two men were both walking home on the road that passes Hagley Wood, mm-hmm. right? The one man was, he worked in uh, some kind of industrial sector. He was on his way home and he heard a woman scream in the woods. And at first he thought nothing of it. But then he crossed paths with a teacher who was going home in the opposite direction. And just sort of, he asked like, did you hear a woman scream? I kind of thought I heard something. Yeah. And the teacher said, I did hear something for sure. So the two of them called the police and oh, they good waited. For them. Mm-hmm. They called the police. They waited. The police searched the woods and couldn't find anything. Okay. So this was around the time that she may have died. Oh. Right. But there was no evidence to point to it. And this was something that was considered unrelated until the police reports were reviewed in the 1960s. Oh, shit. Okay. So <laughs> that would have been, yeah. So 20 months before her body was found, it's the right timeline. Could have been her. We're not sure. So this case kind of goes cold. And then in Christmas of 1943, the first piece of graffiti appears. On a wall of an empty building in Birmingham, in West Midland, a piece of graffiti appears on a brick wall that says, Who put Lubella down the witch elm? And it's important to note at this point, witch elm is W-Y-C-H hyphen elm, right? Hmm. Um, And the name that they put down is Lubella, L-U-E-B-L-L-A, right? So at this point, they don't have any name for this body, But there's only one person who's been found in a witch elm. Yeah. So now they're starting to think, you know, is it possible that either this was the killer who wants to be found? Wants attention. Yeah. Or is this someone who knew her and cared about her and is frustrated that the police haven't solved it? Or is it just a graffiti artist who is, like, trying to stir up mischief? That seems... What what year is this again? This was 1943. Same year. Okay, so just right off the bat, if you hear this news... As a teenager, Mm -hmm. right? And you're like, oh my god, my buddies were out in the woods and they found a girl in the woods and then local lore goes up in your school. Graffiti's gonna happen. Yeah. Right? Yeah, but the the choice of the name Lubella is so specific that... It is very specific. And it's spelled in a really weird way. Mm -hmm. Then again teenagers exactly teenagers so this is they they put out a call they were like if you know something if you're the person who did this graffiti please just talk to us you're not in trouble we just want to know like if you know anything or if this was just a prank but you know internally the police start calling this woman bella um just as a hold in for her name and this kind of sparks up the controversy about what happened to her again Mm -hmm. right so the police start looking in the following weeks more graffiti appears around birmingham um Hagley Wood Bella and other variations on the same. And then the final iteration, which is what sticks, is who put Bella in the witch elm? Again, W-Y-C-H. Okay. So (laughs) this kind of puts a name to the body, possibly. There's no evidence that her name, that that was her name, which can be damaging to a case if you think you're only looking for someone whose name is that and you're overlooking other people. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it also could be a clue. So they continue researching and... They put out a call. They're like, if anyone knows anything about this, please tell us. Nothing happens at this point, right? They put out a call and then the trail goes cold again. So in 1955, someone who identifies themselves as Anna of Claverly starts writing to the local newspaper and says that she knows what happened to Bella. And Mm. she tells this story about what happened to this mysterious woman who they found in the witch elm. Again, this is 12 years... Basically anonymous. Mm -hmm. anonymous and 12 years after the body was found okay right anna of claverly says that bella was a spy 
And <laughs> this makes perfect sense so far. Also, guys, it started raining. If you're using noise canceling headphones, then that you're hearing rain. Go ahead. <laughs> um, Anne of Claverly writes in. She says that Bella was a spy. Okay. She says that she knows someone who was infiltrating a spy ring in the area, and that there was a Dutchman who came to pick up the person who's trying to infiltrate this spy ring, mm-hmm. and he had a woman with him, and that her name was Bella. Oh. He picked his associate up in the car with Bella, and then he drove out towards Hagley Woods, at which point he revealed that he knew that Bella was a spy, and he strangled her to death. <gasps> so, <laughs> the police follow up on this. They find out that Anna of Claverly is actually Una Mossop, who is a local Ooh, woman. Good, yeah, right? Good name. Una Mossop. <laughs> yeah. Her husband was an RAF, uh, Royal Air Force pilot, Jack Mossop. Jack claimed that he had been infiltrating a spy ring that was led by a Dutchman named Van Rout. Okay. Which is a name that they tried to track. They couldn't find anything about it. Right? Mm-hmm. Probably a fake name. Yeah. Jack Mossop says that Van Rout came to pick him up with a woman. Mm-hmm. Right? And he says that he thought he heard Van Rout call the woman Bella. Okay. All of this happened. Van Rout drove them out towards the woods and strangled Bella and, you know, sort of it's unclear what this was intended as or what Jack Mossop's involvement was. Yeah. Because Jack Mossop died after a long stint of mental illness in a hospital several months before the body was found. So he cl- he tells his wife, mm-hmm. huh. this has definitely happened. He told his wife this happened, then it drove him crazy. He was in a mental asylum and then he died in that mental asylum. Yes. He died in the mental asylum before Bella's body was found. So he was just right? struggling with his guilt of knowing that he helped murder a woman. Yeah. His wife, Una Mossop, says that he struggled with nightmares of a woman in a tree staring out at him. Ooh. But, remember, Una Mossop is telling this story 12 years after Bella is found. Jack Mossop is already dead. He can't corroborate. He can't corroborate, but also all of the details of this fact have been so widely publicized that it's entirely possible that she made it up. Especially the name. The name is what's getting me. It, I think that a kid graffitied that. Yeah. I think some, like, punk-ass kid <laughs> was the one graffitiing. I don't, I think it's, I don't know, Lou Bella, I think it's just a, a, a spooky name to put to a witch elm. Yeah. There's another related theory. Someone, I, I'm not sure whether this was Una Mossop or someone else, put forward the theory that Mossop and Van Rout had been out drinking, right? As mm-hmm. Mossop was trying to infiltrate Van Rout's Dutch spy ring, um, yeah. who were trying to gather information for the Germans against the English. Sure. The theory is that Mossop and Van Rout were out drinking with Bella, who mm-hmm. was, you know, at the tavern as well. And she got so drunk that she passed out. Uh-huh. And the men, trying to teach her a lesson, took her out to a tree, figuring that she would wake up in a tree with a hangover and be like, I need to turn my life around. What? Um, God, men. Yeah. <laughs> so that's also a possibility. And then also to teach her a lesson, because, you know, women need to be taught a lesson. They cut off her hand. As a joke, <laughs> women can't take jokes, but they cut off her hand and they threw it over their shoulders. <laughs> yeah. So there are a lot of holes in this story. For example, it doesn't explain the taffeta in her mouth. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. Mossop died before the body was found, and Una didn't tell anyone for 12 years after the body was found, which, if you if your husband had been saying, you know, oh, I see a woman staring at me from a tree, I can't sleep, I'm having these nightmares, and then, you and then a woman is found in a tree, why wouldn't you come forward then? Especially if he's already dead. If he's already There's dead. There's no harm there. Yes. 
sort of parallel to this story of the Dutch spy ring in the town and everything like that, mm-hmm. there is the story of Joseph Jacobs, who is a German spy. MI5 declassified files from World War II many years later. Joseph Jacobs is also the name of that fairy tale author mm. that we talk about all the time on the podcast. Oh, weird. It's really weird. It's spelled Germanly, but I'm not going to try and... <laughs> Germanly. <laughs> Jacobs. Joseph Jacobs. <laughs> yeah, so Joseph Jacobs. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's Joseph, is it? They have J sounds. Mm-hmm. German. Again, I only <laughs> have to know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> So, Josef Jacobs um, was a German spy. He was named in the MI5 declassified files after World War II, where they kind of revealed, like, oh, this was, you know, espionage things that we found out during World War II. Okay. He was a German spy who was captured while parachuting into Cambridgeshire in 1941. And he was captured, and they tried to get information out of him and everything like that. Mm -hmm. The reason why this is pertinent, two things. One, he had a photo of the German actress and cabaret singer... Clara Bowerly in his pocket. He said that Clara Bowerly was his lover and that she was a German spy. Oh. She had disappeared while parachuting into that exact area in 1941, which lines up with the timeline. And it would make sense if you were parachuting and you, that could be a way that she ended up inside of the tree is if she just landed in the tree and couldn't get out. And then she was like, I'm so hungry. I'm going to eat part of my skirt. And also I'm going to chop off my own hand, throw it outside, and then put them both snugly next to me. <laughs> yeah. So, like, lots of weird stuff, right? Um, also, she's an actress. Why is she wearing shoes that's too big for her? <laughs> she can afford to buy shoes that fit. <laughs> also, interesting fact, Josef Jacobs was the last man who was executed in the Tower of London. Oh, um, famous. Just a fun little fact. <laughs> um, so... He says that, you know, this all lines up with the story of, you know, where Bella is, right? So it's a possibility. Okay. A couple of things that make this not correct. Clara Bowerly was an actress and a cabaret singer, so she was a public figure. We have records of a lot of things about her. We have photos of her and everything like that. Yeah. Um, She did have messed up teeth, so there was a possibility, you know, that was kind of a corroboration. However... Clara Bowerly was five foot ten. No, <laughs> so it's possible that this that Bella in the Witch Elm was wearing her shoes. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> but Bella was five feet tall. Okay, so it's unlikely unless she had her legs shortened somehow, uh, which there was no evidence of. <laughs> Shouldn't even have to say that. But <laughs> and also in 2015, uh, research. Don't be rude. Why are you so mean? Pepper. In 2015, uh, researchers into Bella and the Witch Elm found that Clara Bowerly had died in a hospital in Berlin in 1941. Okay, yeah, so it wasn't her. So it wasn't her. But it was a really promising theory for a long time. There are a couple of other ideas about who she might have been. Um, again, at this same time, the German Blitzkrieg was passing over the area in England. It was like the beginning of World War II, and they were strafing the countryside of England. It could have been a woman, especially possibly a homeless woman, who was trying to escape the Blitzkrieg and climbed into the tree and got stuck. That's so sad. Um, that is one of the more sad <laughs> explanations. But also, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. You're trying to escape bombs coming down. You wouldn't climb up into a tree. Yeah. Well, up and then down to, like, hide, I guess. If they were, like, close to the ground, they wouldn't see her, maybe? Possibly. But, like, isn't the bits of Blitzkrieg when they just, like, bomb the shit out of you? Mm-hmm. Those aren't coming from the ground. I'm, yeah. I'm a... That's... That one... I don't know. I, that one I don't think is... 
Just a possibility. <laughs> and then she cut off her own hand, threw it outside to throw them off, and she shoved them next to exactly. her body. Exactly. <laughs> like, there are details of this case that are so weird, and, like, none of these mm-hmm. account for it, really. Also, if if it was Clara Bowerly and someone... Like, there were a couple of different theories that this was a woman who was parachuting and got stuck in a tree. Yeah. But also then, where would the where's the parachute, you know? Yeah. Somebody... At the very least, somebody came by and altered the scene. Yeah. Um, also why, I mean, maybe she cut her hand off on the parachuting line on her way to, I don't know. Wow, is that a possibility? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> There's also a possibility that, uh, in 1944, a Birmingham sex worker, uh, reported that her friend Bella had disappeared back in 1941. Mm. Um, so that's also a possibility, and but it's again. closer to the time. Yeah, but it's also 1944, so it was after the body was found. Yeah. So it could be, it was also after the Lubella and Bella uh, graffiti had started appearing so it was a name that was already in people's mouths it could just be you yeah. know th- so that's a possibility <laughs> the van Rout theory gained a little bit more traction so research indicated that the woman that van Rout may have been meeting with was a woman named clarabella dronkers oh that theory came out in like 1953 but there wasn't a whole lot of evidence to support it they identified someone who kind of seemed like they could be peripheral to it but who had you know, gone missing, but there wasn't enough evidence to support that it was her. Yeah. So (laughs) there's also a couple of less founded theories. There were a lot of transient people in the area, especially Romani people who had, you know, made a habit of camping out in the area. Mm -hmm. Um, Right across from Hagley Wood was a pub. um, And this is a slur, but it is also the title of the pub, the Gypsy's Tent Pub. Mm Mm-hmm. So there was a possibility that maybe the reason why no one recognized her was because she was living a transient lifestyle and it's possible, you know, something happened and that's why nobody knows who she is. You know, there's the possibility that she was a sex worker from in Birmingham. There's also a rumor that there was a local barmaid, um, possibly at the Gypsy's Tent pub, who had gotten pregnant by an American GI and that he had killed her. Yeah. But no evidence that it was Bella. No record of a woman named Bella working there. Nobody recognized her from the pub that was literally across the street from where the body was found. So, you know, all of these things yeah. are lots of holes. <laughs> At the very least, if she was working there, they'd be like, hey, we had somebody go missing. Mm-hmm. She was about five feet tall. She was tiny. She yeah. had giant feet. <laughs> <laughs> like a clown. She was like a, a capital letter L. <laughs> <laughs> so these are kind of the more like history founded ideas. Mm-hmm. There's also Professor Margaret Murray, um, who is a respected, was a respected anthropologist at a nearby university, put forward the idea in the 50s that because her hand was missing, she thought perhaps that this was part of a ritual mm-hmm. um, in <laughs> witches, is what the theory is. Uh. She said that the hand that was taken from Bella could have been used to become a hand of glory. Which, if you don't know what that is, look it up. It's a really fascinating thing. Basically, it's like an, like you cut off someone's hand as part of a ritual, and then you can use it as an enchanted artifact for, depending on who you talk to, for like any of a number of different things. But she's like, listen, if everyone else is just going to run with this graffiti Bella story, then I'm going to run with the name Witch. <laughs> <laughs> it's a witch elm. <laughs> it's a witch elm. How come nobody is taking me seriously? It's because you're a woman. <laughs> <laughs> there was also Professor Margaret Murray also put forward the idea that it has been recorded that witches, especially witches in the English countryside, believed that you can seal a witch away mm. and sort of like entrap her powers 
by sealing her in a hollow tree. This seems more likely... This this seems more likely than the other theory and a lot of the other ones to me. Yeah. So that that's also a possibility. superstitious people would yes. do this. I mean, look at all of our religious freaks we have here in 2022. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So possibly she was a witch or had pissed off other witches, uh-huh. um, whether or not she was a witch and they sealed her away in the tree or she was a witch and someone was mad at her for being a witch and sealed her away in a tree. Or th- some religious nuts. This is what I was thinking. Yeah. Some religious nuts were like, that's a witch. And then they sealed her off in a tree. Yes. Because they heard that that's what you do. <laughs> this theory gained prominence because some people had said that there was, like, witchcraft happening in the area Mm. prior to the start of World War II. Um, But there's no evidence for that beyond people's accounts that, oh, yeah, there is definitely witches around here. Yeah. But, interestingly, there was a man named Charles Walton who, after this theory was put forward, his case was brought back up. He was killed around the same time in Lower Quinton, which is close by. Mm -hmm. He was killed by being pinned to the ground with his own pitchfork and left to die. (gasps) Um, which is also feels like a very ritual killing. Yeah. Um, so there was a possibility that, you know, this was a coven of witches who was t- terrorizing these people and who committed both of these murders. Okay. <laughs> um, just a possibility. Interestingly, this is just a little note, Bella's skeleton and the original autopsy report from when her body was discovered disappeared from Birmingham University Medical School during an unofficial police inquiry in like the 50s or 60s. Mm. So, um, which nobody found out until... DNA evidence became a thing, and they were like, hey, wouldn't it be great if we could use DNA evidence to uh, figure out who she was? And the police were like, that would be great if we could find her. (laughs) Give her... Give him back her skeleton. Let her... Let us figure out who she was. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Rude. But who put Bella, Bella in the witch elm? This graffiti continued to appear around the area over the years. The most lasting iteration of it is at Witchbury Hill in North (laughs) Worcestershire in the 1970s, the Hagley Obelisk, which stands over, you know, in Hagley at the top of a hill. Sure. Um, There's just a big obelisk. You said that as if like, you know, the Hagley Obelisk, as we have like Chatham County Obelisk (laughs) over there next to the food lion. Like, I'm sorry. I mean, we do, in fairness, we we live in Savannah and we do have a lot of obelisks. Still, they're in cemeteries. It's not just (laughs) random forest obelisks. (laughs) England is very small. They don't have a lot of spaces to put their obelisks. So they just gotta put them... You put them wherever they fit. If if it fits, it's it's obelisk. That's the obelisk law. (laughs) Um, So the Hagley obelisk overlooks Hagley at the top of a hill. Naturally. And in the 1970s, graffiti started appearing again after sort of a lull of who put Bella... Mm -hmm. Who put Bella in the witch elm? This time, witch spelled W-I-T-C-H. They grew up. They're no longer 12 years old. They learned to fucking spell. (laughs) Well, so witch elm, W-Y-C-H, is actually the name of the tree. It's called a witch elm. Oh, okay. Um, Well, then I learned to fucking spell. (laughs) (laughs) But W-I-T-C-H is like a witch. So it could be a change in spelling. It could be just... I-C-H is a delicious (laughs) treat. (laughs) It could be something where, you know, they were making an implication about like this, all these witch theories that had come up, or it could just be that this was passed down through oral tradition and they didn't know that it was supposed to be spelled weird. Hmm. That graffiti kept appearing on the obelisk so much that they stopped painting over it. Um, The last time that it appeared was in 1999. Whoa. Yes. So there's been a bunch of research in the past 
10, 15 years. A lot of people tried to do more forensic research into the case and everything like that. They did a facial reconstruction on the skull from like photographs and records that they had, which the facial reconstruction, I won't lie, is not great. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to look it up. But uh, I have it. I'll show it to you. Hang on. Yeah, show me. Do they know if the handwriting is the same? Did anybody like look at for the graffiti? They didn't check because the graffiti was primarily, it was kind of just like the first couple of times it showed up, it was used, it was written in chalk and mm. stuff like that. And it was just, it was just like all capital letters, three inches tall across a building, okay. you know, that kind of thing. The spray paint graffiti didn't come in until later, to the best of my knowledge. Yeah. Um, so that would have been like the 90s. Yeah. But <laughs> this is the facial reconstruction. Oh. Ah. Mm. It's crooked. I mean, yeah, but I'm crooked. So, like, I mean, I get it. She probably had a kind of a crooked skull. Yeah, her teeth are pretty messed up. She's pretty cute, though. Look at her pretty eyes. Mm -hmm. They gave her some really, like, snatched eyebrows. (laughs) Those are some well-groomed brows. (laughs) (laughs) This looks like one of those, like, AI-generated faces to me. But that's just me. It does. Yeah, so they never did any kind of um, handwriting samples because they never had any suspects that they could compare it against. I mean, like, especially graffiti... I wish they would have put more effort into documenting the group, the first graffiti and documenting the 90s graffiti so you can compare those against each other. Yeah. You know? Well, they know that at least definitely multiple people, because this caught on. So the first couple times that the graffiti appeared, everyone was like, oh, someone knows. But then everyone else started doing it also. So A bunch of teenagers. They're exactly. bored. They're scared. Yeah. So yeah. the graffiti started appearing in different places. Um, continued appearing like across that area of the countryside every couple years in the iteration of who put Bella in the witch elm. It became kind of like a local um, phrase, like a local turn of phrase that people would use. And it was kind of, you know, local pride thing, which is a fucked up thing to do to a dead person. (laughs) I mean, I get it though. That's, That's metal as hell. Yeah. So there have been like facial reconstructions in the past 10 years and things like that. But unfortunately, because the body is still missing and the original autopsy report is as well, they haven't been able to uncover a whole lot new. The last really big discovery was that Clara Bowerly had died in 1941. And so she was ruled out as a possible identity. But since then, you know, a couple of books have been written. I linked to a few in the description for this episode where they kind of go more in depth and some people who have you know connections within forensics and things like things like that were able to make more theories develop i didn't buy the books because i'm poor but um, (laughs) i read excerpts and they were very cool so if you are interested in this anymore please check those out but the moral of this whole story is that there are a lot of ways that this story can go and this case is remembered today, especially in the area. Yeah. At least in part because of this graffiti. Yeah. The most realistic theory is that this was just a woman who fell through the cracks of society. Yeah. And, you know, maybe she was someone who wasn't local. Nobody knew her, you know, entirely possible. And probably the saddest way that this could have gone. So Um, you think that she was Romani or a sex worker from a different city that was just passing through and got murdered? Or she could have just been an unhoused woman who was passing through the area. And uh, there's there's a theory that, you know, maybe there was a woman in the woods and someone found her and tried to attack her. And so she, like, either ran away to hide or that they killed her and put her in the tree. To there me, are lots of different possibilities and there's no clear way to know if any of them are true, you yeah. know? One of the most telling things to me is that they would have had to have known... It had to have been premeditated, because they would have had to know where to take a body 
exactly how like they have to know how to hide it before that rigor mortis sets in mm-hmm. or they took a live woman out there and then shoved her in a tree i really hope that's not what they did yeah yeah um truly but the hand <laughs> thing throws out all of the other conspiracy theories to me <laughs> yeah there are so many weird little details about this like i just i i don't think that i truly don't think that we'll ever know the truth about what happened to bella mm-hmm. um but the fact that this has become sort of a, a rallying cry where even today it's like we can't let people like this yeah just slip through and my personal belief is that the first person who tagged the graffiti was someone who knew her mm. and that you know they were frustrated that she wasn't being maybe it was another person who couldn't couldn't be deal with the police yeah you know for any number of reasons yeah but i don't think we'll ever really know the truth but i do think it's a fascinating story yeah um, that was fantastic good job thanks very spooky <laughs> uh i'm gonna be thinking about that and trying to figure that out oh also the reason why i mentioned the uh belladonna was because that was lending credence to the witchcraft theory they were like this is a magically charged place with lots of belladonna and witch hazel and witch elms and everything mm. like that they're like um, the name is in everything <laughs> so classic witches did they did did anyone bring up the fact that belladonna is technically found in like potatoes and stuff <laughs> nope <laughs> but also this is the truth. it's tree. not belladonna it's nightshade but still <laughs> this whoa yeah that is not what i was expecting that tree to look how'd the kids get up there that looks like a porcupine yeah the witch elm that she was found in is truly it looks like it looks like a porcupine. It looks like a porcupine. That's, like, the only way to describe it. I was not. It's very, like, bristly and everything like that. And she was found inside of the hollow of the trunk. I was expecting... Um, you know that one bird... I was I was seeing in, the head, in my head. You know that one bird that is really well known for camouflaging itself like the tr- trunk of a tree? So mm-hmm. it'll just have, like, the big trunks of the trees and then this bird will be on top, like, straight up. And Yeah. That's, that's the sort of tree I was thinking of. Yeah, a lot of witch elms like do look like this, trunk. but this one was a really old and gnarled witch elm that Jeez. had been cut down a bunch of times and regrown. Um, yeah, so it's a terrifying looking tree. And also. they've never they've never interviewed those little boys that found her. They did, I and mean, that's all they knew was that you know they had found a skull. Wow! Um, and they thought it was an egg, <laughs> and then they were like, egg. "This can't be an egg. It has to be a skull." But of what animal? <laughs> Stupid little boys. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. That That's what gets me. Is that... How? What the... Ed- I get that's it. what gets you? <laughs> the education that you... Stop there. All right. The real mystery is who's educating little boys in 1942. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyways. Fantastic. I just, yeah. 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 There's so many weird things about this case that I just... I. Yeah, anytime you think you found a solution, there's, like, one thing that sticks out, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't think anything really uh, brings them all together in a way that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Except that it was foul play. Except that it was she foul play. She didn't put herself in that tree. Unless she did. Yeah, unless she did. <laughs> unless she shoved her own shirt in her mouth to keep herself from telling people she was going in the tree. And then she climbed up, cut off her hand real quick, threw it outside, Put her hands next to her sides and then shimmied into the tree. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I hate that theory so much. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's so obviously foul play. Okay. Um. Good job. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, let us know what you thought about this episode and thoughts and theories. Did you hear anything else? Do we, do we have any other clues that, that we can <laughs> add to it? Because uh, we want to solve this. Do you know where the skeleton is? Send it to me and Max. 
Send it to us. We won't tell anyone. Send uh, us a skeleton. Email, yeah, email that skeleton to us at sort of the story at gmail.com. Um, or you can uh, send it to us as a direct message on Instagram at sort of the story. That's true. Or Twitter at sort of the story. Or you TikTok. Uh, except, no, you can't because you can't send pictures on TikTok. Yeah, no, you can't do that. So you'll, have to, you'll have to tag us in your TikTok video about us, uh, the skeleton you're giving us. <laughs> also, um, if you want to maybe uh, give it to us via Goodreads. <laughs> <laughs> we also have a good read <laughs> um, and we have if you want these books that Max is putting in the show notes we will also put up on our bookshop.org affiliate account so go check those out mm-hmm. uh, they're linked to the bookshop account for each of the books yeah. so you can and find that, them there uh, bookshop is a really great resource for being able to support small bookstores from the comfort of your own home you can have books shipped to you from bookstores across the country and it's really just a great resource. So you buy your books at Bookshop and not Amazon. <laughs> you can also pick your specific bookstore that you want to support. Mm-hmm. So if you have a local one, you could do it via there. It's it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, but don't give more money to Jeff Bezos than you have to. So. There you go. So check out Bookshop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, guys, have a great fucking rest of your October. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Testifying. Hello, everyone. The news. The news is, I think my eyeballs are covered in fuzz. Max is afraid of eye drops. Is the news that I just learned? Who is it? I mean, I love eye drops. Yeah, they make me see better. I hate them. I am like a baby. I have to like hold my eyelids open and like prep for like five minutes to be able to put a drop <laughs> in my eye. I don't like seeing things approaching my eyes, especially since I've had glasses. Like I have a layer of protection. So even wearing contacts now, I'm like, I feel so vulnerable. Maybe it's because I wore contacts for 12 years every day no, without having glasses at all the entire time. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. I just built different. <laughs> built different. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, her eyes might fall out is the news.